You are listening to the Thundercling Podcast. <laughs> Just rippling abs. How are we going to get fucking sponsored by these guys if we can't even get the name right? Did you say you're doing wrestling moves? Oh god, I'm bleeding. Jason Kale's walking around on stilts was fucked up. My name is Dave. And I'm Feedy. And you are listening to The, the Thundercling Thunder Podcast. Podcast 2020 edition. Holy fuck, dude. We're together again, dude. We were just together last night. We were together last night. Should we tell everybody what we were doing? A little Thundercling party? We had a Thundercling party where we summoned the bravest young climber warriors. The bravest we could find. That we could find to come hang out at my house while we watched some... Some bloodletting. We watched some people punch each other in the face. Turns, Dave and I like... We like MMA. Yeah, we like MMA. Hopefully that doesn't make you hate us. Yeah, don't hate us. Yeah, don't hate us. And the fight only lasted for 40 seconds. Yeah. The Conor McGregor, Donald Cerrone fight. No, we aren't going to talk about it, but we should talk about it. In the, in well, we were thinking, we were thinking <laughs> in honor of that event yeah. and all the climbers gathered around and like, what would be our celebrity climbing death matches? Like MMA matches. MMA though, with yeah. all the rules. Yes. Um, so like crimping clavicles, eye, eye gouging. Oh, no, I, no, wait, no. No, that's good. Fish hooking. fish hooking is fine. Yeah, yeah, like pocket. Yeah, because I mean, the climbers, they're going to use the tools they have, which are their that's right. yeah. big, strong digits. Yeah. I'm even thinking to finger up the keister every now and again. Yeah, I mean, that's, whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do. Dude, some people are really strong on monos, so I, I'm not going to take away their best weapon. That's exactly. They could probably pick somebody up and slam them into the cage with a finger up the keister. Anyway, who are you thinking? Who would you like to see in the ring for a climbing? Well, MMA so we bout. wouldn't, I don't think we would ever, I don't think the climbing MMA division would ever really like battle for like weight class championships, but they would definitely battle for titles. Okay. So most chill climber title. So it'd be Jimmy Webb or Sharma. They'd be like, oh, dude, uh, I mean, you just have to let go. And I just, go. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> sponsored uh, by Hippie Tree. Yeah, Hippie Tree would sponsor that. And pro- <laughs> Hippie Tree versus Piranha too. Uh, Holy shit. Look at the money. The money in that would be huge. All Do right. you think they'd get motivated for that? They'd I mean, pizzot their way into that? I bet they would because when fucking Webb gets on a rig, yeah, dude, it's intense. But it's, when he's talking to the camera, yeah. Yes, he's yeah. Johnny Chillboy. Yeah, so you're just like, who's, you just you throw that out there between the two. You invite them over and like... <laughs> Well, you know what happened. Chris Sharma would, be, would lose and he'd be like, well, the thing about it is, that, you know, I'm glad the new generation, yeah. I, you know, he'd be so magnanimous and be like, I'm just glad to see the new generation yeah, taking you know, over. I, I've been here for a long time and it gets a little tiring to be pulling the weight of the entire climate world. Yeah. Kind of feel I like wanted, I've kind of put in my time and now the new generation, yeah. but he'd be like his eyeball would be yeah, hanging out of his socket. Yeah, he'd, he'd be in like an arm hurt, sling. Hurting, yeah. Okay. That's pretty good. Yeah. My... Who I would like to see, and this would be, this would be violent, Feedy. Oh my God! I want to see <laughs> Alex Puccio yes. step in the cage. Oh my God! With Nina Williams, <laughs> can you? I like um, that matchup. They're like good buddies, so let's let's say they're not though. No, yeah, in this scenario, they're not. That'd be too. Fucking what would be the pow- title before? Most. I don't know, but most I most swole. Most swole. Most swole. Yeah, probably. I think I want, man, what if Nina came out and just did a fucking leg kick? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To Puccio, just like, I know oh, what I'm doing. Oh, that would be dirty. Terrible. 
That'd be so dirty. That'd, don't do it, Nina. Nina. You're better than that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jesus. Well, it is a new year too. Yeah. We're not gonna spend too much time talking. But did you, did you come up with any like resolutions or goals for 2020, dude? You know, I'm. I like New Year's because I think they sort of represent this arbitrary like check in on yourself date. Yeah. You know, like, like arguably you should be doing this more frequently than once a year, but every now and then it's like this big moment where everyone's doing it. So the momentum's behind it. Yeah. So you stop and you're like, okay, what am I doing right now? That is a waste of my time. What are things like, what are, what have I been putting off? What goals yeah. have I put on the back burner? And I, I think in that reason, I really like new year's, but I, I'm really have become a believer in straying away from hard concrete objectives just because I think, they're really fun and easy to come up with sometimes. It's super fun. <laughs> it's super fun. And then, and then it turns into something. And then all something. of a sudden you're like, oh. That's not fun it's anymore. It's 2021. And I'm a and, failure. And, <laughs> and I think I actually want to give a, I want to say that I feel like in recent years, the people I know or that I like follow or see, I think in general people are starting to get smarter about goals too. They're starting to realize that setting <laughs> Concrete goals isn't necessarily the way to go, but setting, I don't know. I don't know what the right word would be, but more like more achievable. Achievable goals. Achievable goals or like micro goals. Yeah. I think people are getting aware like, hey, like instead of saying, I want to, the hardest thing I've ever climbed is V13. I'm, I want to climb a V14 and being more realistic and be like, well, you know, I just climbed my first V13. Like it was kind of my style. So I should probably solidify that grade for myself. So maybe I'll just like, you know, do another one. <laughs> or climb two. <laughs> or climb two. And then and then have like the bonus goals, you know? I don't know. So I don't really I don't really have any concrete goals. I have ideas. Huh. <laughs> or I have, I have necessarily I have like directions I want to pursue. So you have New Year's directions, New Year's not New Year's <laughs> resolutions. Yeah. Man, I have always been a chronic resolution yes. maker. Last year I made like 25 resolutions and I wrote them on one of those big, yeah, I big love that pieces billboard. of, Oh yeah. You saw it. <laughs> seen it I, I put a it. gigantic billboard on my refrigerator with like my 25 yeah. goals and the climbing related ones were like, uh, do 200 routes mm -hmm. failed, <laughs> do 150, uh, V five and up failed. Um, <laughs> Do six multi-pitch routes of at least three pitches. Failed. Visit six new climbing areas. Failed. And then there were the other ones, like go to five Rockies baseball games. Failed. Failed. <laughs> Fucking build the walls in the van. Everything is done but the walls. Yeah. Failed. Um, I Of the 25 goal resolutions I made, I achieved one. And what that was, was my reading resolution. Yeah. yeah, you read a fuck ton of books. Go work. I had 25 on there. I think I read... 35. So, but that was just desperation because yeah. I knew I could achieve that one. So this year I only have like five goals. I wonder, so you, the goals you listed off realistically were pretty achievable, achievable goals. I mean, that would be a banner year though. Like you would just I mean, be, be a climbing lot of, yeah, that's constantly. A lot of mm -hmm. And I battled a couple different injuries and that was just fucking busy, you know, yeah. life got in the way and I just couldn't build that quantity. Yeah. So at what point did those goals stop being exciting and fun and did they just turn to these painful reminders okay. every time you yeah. walked by that billboard that like, fuck. Yeah. Like June. <laughs> <laughs> it 
was June. And I held on to the baseball uh, one. I was like, I went to three yeah. games and I was like, fuck, if I, I just need to go to two more games. Uh, but then I was like, why? I should like be really passionate, want to go. But yeah. really, I just wanted to kind of like sit on my porch and yeah. drink I, coffee and read the book I so I could. I think one of my favorite goals I remember from your goal board was, uh, I think it was like, fix your longboard. <laughs> Oh, yeah. All I have to do <laughs> is fucking put new. <laughs> well, that cracked me up because I'm like, oh, Dave, I've never fucking seen you on a longboard. <laughs> it's because the wheels don't work. That's literally yeah. all I used to ride around town. Wow. And all I have to do is take the trucks off, yeah, yeah. take the wheels off, uh-huh. replace the ball bearings, clean out the inside of my gummies and put them back on. <laughs> I have had to do that for three goddamn years. So I made Shit. the resolution last year. And it's just, I should just throw away the longboard. <laughs> like, Honestly, I, I have one in my garage too that I'm like, mm, sometimes kid, you got to let the things go. I did achieve another one from last year. What? A, a fix one. Both of my, my bike was broken and Lynn's bike was broken and I did get them fixed. Nice. So I achieved two goals. Fuck yeah. 2019 Dave. Yeah, buddy. You know, so 2020 is much, 2019 much easier. Dave, like you put, you had heart kid. You didn't necessarily reach those goals but thanks man damn 2019 dave 2020 dave though hyped well 2020 dave is starting out with a torn meniscus (laughs) and i only have two climbing goals and they're the same things as last year it's all about quantity Quantity. i don't care about quality so i want to do 150 v5s and up Mm -hmm. can't be repeated Mm -hmm. i'll have to be outdoors and i want to do 200 routes again yeah just 200 pitches yeah. Not not, okay. Here's here's like so. Here's one of my directions. Okay. You <laughs> my New Year's direction. Oh yeah, give me your direction. So last year was uh, a little bit about pursuing the strengths I have. I feel like in climbing. You yeah. Know? So like going doing stuff I knew I was good at. I mean, you had a banner year. Had a, yes. It's the last year was best year of climbing best year ever. Climb I ever had. And this year is a lot more about. I don't know. It's like I think it's. To become a well-rounded climber, at some point you have to like address your massive imbalances. So this year is. Are you a, talking about getting plugging some gear? Mm, no. So I, <laughs> I'm talking about <laughs> plugging gear will come later. I'm not worried about. You're that. a youngster. I'm man. a young it's no kid. No problem. Um, no. Instead of a, instead of going towards my like my preferred holds like slopers, open hands, squeezies, uh, compression stuff. Gonna get into some pinches. I'm gonna try to do some roof crimpy stuff which scares Ooh. me it scares me to my core dave nice um yeah because i'm tired of uh you know it's not it's a weird feeling when you're like oh i can i can climb something in this style feel confident on it and yeah. then there's something else where you're just you approach it and you're just like i don't think i can do that at all and, and it's, you don't and even you try feel it. like you, yeah and you just feel like it's a weird fear so tackling that if you want to be a better climber you have to constantly be reassessing your strengths and weaknesses and fucking doing the humiliating yeah. ego bashing work <laughs> of going to the gym and yeah. going outside and getting yeah. your ass handed to you, mm-hmm. you know, Get slapped around a bit. Indeed. Okay. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. That was, that was I good. feel depressed, but I hope you feel better for our goals. Anyway, Dave. Yeah. Who, who was our first guest for 2020? Our, our first guest first... of 2020. Yeah. We have been, circling one another for years, years. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. trying to find a date to come on and that is chelsea nicole rude yes professional climber um what we focus a lot on this podcast mm-hmm. in this conversation with her 
is her career as a competitive climber yep because it was so long and so successful yes. she was on i think she started uh comp climbing in 1998 maybe yeah. Basically, she started climbing, and two weeks later, she ended her first competition, <laughs> and she won it. Yes. Great sign for a career. Yeah. yeah that's It's going well. Um, and then a couple years after that, she was on what became mm-hmm. the USA Climbing yeah. Team So she's for 13 years. She's somebody with a unique perspective in that she's seen competitive climbing in the U.S. go through its full evolution. You know, she was yeah. she's legitimately like a pioneer of competitive climbing. Yeah, for US. sure. Just... You could not have started climbing. Like comp climbing at, for youth any earlier than that, I don't even think would have been possible. <laughs> I just don't even know so, if it existed back then. But she came up with like... Her peers were amazing. Paige Clausen and Emily Harrington and Alex Johnson. Like that whole crew of luminaries that are still just mm-hmm. diversifying their yeah. climbing careers right now. Like Emily. Mm-hmm. And, so, and, Oh, go ahead. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say, so yeah, we talk about her climbing career, but we also talk about her life now as she's sort of transitioning from that climbing professional, professional climber to a regular dopey civilian. (laughs) (laughs) No, she's starting a whole new project. She's starting essentially a collective called She Sends Collective. Yeah. Which is essentially going to be this climbing company all about empowering female climbers and giving in in a couple interesting ways too so she sends collective i i think is going having its first um get together in march of this year Mm -hmm. and the website will be uh up and running in like two weeks but she's going to be offering coaching yes and like women's get togethers and retreats possibly in even foreign countries but also she's going to have a rubric of nutrition Mm mm-hmm um, to kind of discuss, you know, how you can climb healthy and steer clear of eating disorders for ambitious, like young climbers yeah. and, um, a mental health aspect to it too. Mm-hmm. So like to fully yeah. round out climbers as like successful humans. Yeah. And addre- addressing issues that are present in all our lives that are kind of silent issues. We keep to ourselves sometimes mm-hmm. when we shouldn't. So shot hats off to chelsea for doing that and it was a really fun interview one side note we should talk about we one should thing. talk about one thing so the the thunder Clink podcast is dog friendly dog bro. friendly you can bring your dog in here it's cool we love dogs and the I'll dog can them. bark and yeah that's, it's okay it's part of the pod yes for words. yeah you guys know that and uh let's just say you know what 2020 we have a new year's resolution one for sure that i think we can achieve no, no more squeaky toys, toys in the studio. So bear with us on this interview. We have to shut it down three different times because my dog and Chelsea, Chelsea's, Chelsea's dog, adorable little baby puppy, little puppy, Franny. were like just fucking going to yeah. work on squeaky yeah, toys Dave, right underneath the table. Yeah, Dave thought that he put away all the squeaky toys, but it turns they out Mister he turned it turns out Mister Avocado's got a mean squeaker in him. Yep, and Dave was just blindsided by that. And, I thought uh, the avocado was Franny, dead. Franny really had a gift for finding the squeak spot, the ultimate squeak spot, and just bam, 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 bam. bam, bam. <laughs> it was unbelievable. It was like a metronome. Um, so you'll hear us kind of uh, just shutting down the interview a couple uh, different times, but yeah. it, we edited it. It's really it's, good. It's seamless. It's seamless. It's it's <laughs> seamless. Yeah, and totally. Uh, see, you'll never notice. And we'll catch you guys on the flip side. Yes, yes. Dave always puts it. A uh, goodbye. Okay.
Um, you started climbing at like age 11 in Atlanta and like two weeks later you entered your first comp. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't really know how it happened. I think my dad just saw that there was a competition. It was at our local gym mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, let's do it. Chelsea. Yeah. And then I just like, but you won it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. That's, That's a, I crazy. Mean, that is a great starting sign for a climbing career. <laughs> it just can't go any better than that start. Yeah, it just that is can't. the best. Oh, man. But the nerves are real. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As an 11-year-old, too, were you competitive in anything else? Or was that no. like your first taste of it? It was my first taste of it because I sucked at everything else. <laughs> I tried gymnastics. I played tennis. I liked tennis. Yeah. But I don't think I was really that great at it. And I didn't, wasn't passionate about it because I didn't keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't kick a ball. <laughs> ball sports um, out. What else? Yeah. I don't know. I sucked at everything. I mean, I'm going <laughs> to go ahead and guess, too, that you kind of had that like classic climber moment, too, where like the first time you actually started climbing, it was just like a switch where you're like, this is kind of all I want to be doing for yeah, yeah. <laughs> a long time. <laughs> Yeah, I loved it. Mm-hmm. I sucked at it. I like don't think I made it to the top of the wall like my first day. Mm-hmm. But but then when it come two weeks later, <laughs> then it went come two weeks later. It was a really fast learning curve. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I just I don't know. It just happened. Yeah, yeah. No, and I mean, then that's I awesome. loved it because obviously I was like, oh, I'm I'm good at something, and then just kept going. And then in March now, it'll be 22 years. Holy moly, dude. That's that's a lot lot. of your life. That is (laughs) the majority majority of of your life. life. Wow. Damn. Um, (laughs) God, that's such a crazy arc. Uh, Is it weird to think back? Like, so we talked to a lot of climbers, of course, who like started climbing at 18 or something like that, where you're like an adult. Yeah. And all of your sensations and emotions have pretty much retained but when you're an 11 year old like do you think back to those like the emotions that you had then are they are they the same that you've carried through your entire career or were you just was it just mania back then oh full-on mania i mean that's a hard (laughs) question to ask i don't really know how i'm trying to ask that question i think i get what you're saying i mean it definitely has changed multiple times throughout my climbing career yeah because you know when you're 11 and you start climbing and you're kind of good at it and you're really psyched like that's all i was thinking about yeah right like climbing magazine would come into the mail and i was like yeah Yeah. and i would like read it cover to cover (laughs) cut out photos put them on my wall it was just like nothing but climbing you know so awesome and it was (laughs) yeah i mean like it even today, sometimes I'm like, God, I wish I had that psych still. But my psych is different now. Yeah. You know, like, I don't eat, sleep, poop, <laughs> climbing all the time anymore. <laughs> you know, yes. like, I yeah. just don't. And that's okay. I think it's better for me. Yes. Um, And then, you know, you start, like, at least I started defining myself based on my climbing, based on my competition results. Yeah. And then that's a whole like web to crawl yourself out of. Ooh, I want to get to that, but let's lead up to that with like you win this first comp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're like, the hook is in. The hook oh, is the set. hook was in. So 
how many years did it take you to like what did you do to finally reach usa climbing because you were on the team for like 13 years or something or 10 years yeah that's a lot that's a yeah long, that i mean that's incredible yeah well actually this was pre-usa climbing yeah. it had multiple names it, initially when i started competing was oh, right the jcca so yep. junior competition climbing association and then the adults had like their own separate thing called the ASCF. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. This is like way back in the American day. Sport Climbing Federation. Yep. Okay. You got it. And um, yeah, I mean, I, the first comp I did wasn't associated with like a youth circuit. It was just like the gym comp. Sure. But then two weeks after that, I did the first JCCA competition and I didn't even know how they scored it actually. <laughs> You know, I was like, yeah. do they score it based on like how cool you look doing the oh. moves? Or, like, <laughs> oh, man. You know, I really had I mean, no idea. At that time, it like the, the rules changed every comp essentially, right? Like it was really oh, like, yeah. depending that on- That was the Wild West the back wild then. West. It was total Wild West. <laughs> it was like the ABS, the PCA, the JS- EMS or Eastern. I don't even know. All these yeah. kind of things. There's just a fucking, everybody had different ownership and different- rules and regulations and oh, scoring yeah. that was wild oh yeah i remember those days yeah in and a way ju- it was kind of the good days yeah you know or like i don't know pioneering it was well it's like the innocent days like there Total was innocence. no like fiddling with it. it there wasn't some huge overarching federation it was just a bunch of Everyone like scott rennick along. was just like i'm gonna start this thing in ohio yeah and see if it works. Exactly. And then and it he, worked. Yeah, he made it work <laughs> by himself for yeah. like ages. Yeah. That, I mean, that's cool. I know. Okay, so how did the JSSC, is that what it is? JCCA. I'm going to go ahead and write that down <laughs> yeah. so I don't sound like a jackass anymore. <laughs> so how was that when you entered that circuit? Oh, it was it was awesome. Yeah. Obviously, I quickly learned how they scored things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I loved it. I mean, I started climbing in March. In July, I went to the first national championship. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> really I mean, thrown into the fire. I this know. Is, I love it. Madness. <laughs> yeah. Well, my first regional championship, um, the day before I had one of my friends come over, and she was also a competitor. Mm-hmm. And I dove into my pool pushed off the bottom and like collided with the bottom of the stairs. So oh I had this God. huge gash under my eye and like this black yeah. eye and like my poor nose. It was awful. The other compares oh, like, holy God. shit, she's tough. Dude. Look at this one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't talk to her. And then I just walked into the regional championship. And this was the first, I think it was the first on-site comp that I did. Ooh. And I was like, I don't know what to do, but I got this black eye. This is cool. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> That's cool. It was fun. Like, I guess, was the gym you were a member at, did it have a like active climbing team then? Yes, because that first month it. I joined it. That must have been like one of the, not first, but like very early like gym climbing team for yeah. kids or youth. And I think they started that team a couple, at least a couple of years before I joined yeah. it. Wow. Yeah. That's really, really early. Like 98? I started in 98, so this was probably in, like, 96, Wow, I would say, if I had to guess when that gym opened. But it wasn't, I think, like, me and a couple other people were the youngest at the time. Mm -hmm. The people that were part of the team 
um, before me were probably like later teens. Yeah. You know, but still. That's, that's crazy. That's actually a really good point. I never really thought about that. Yeah, those guys are doing good work, the gym owners, to start a team that are, to have that foresight. Yeah. I don't remember college. I mean, now it's a staple of every gym. In the early 2000s, I don't remember any gyms here. Maybe Rockin' and Jammin' had a team. I was going to say, I bet Rockin' and Jammin'. I feel like they've always been youth-oriented, like but yeah. Paradise certainly didn't. And <laughs> Thrill Seekers, I don't know what they were doing. Uh, I've those. heard these names before, but I've never. <laughs> yeah. You're not missing much. <laughs> You're not missing much. Um, okay. So how do you get into USA Climbing, or how does it transition for you to be a team member then, eventually? Obviously, you're having great success. Yeah. Well, JCCA went through other names. Like I think it was like USCCA for a while. And I feel like there was something else. And then finally, everything kind of came together. And then, poof, we have USA Climbing that has... Um, youth and adult mm-hmm. and adult bouldering, but I never got the opportunity to do youth bouldering. That was like after my time uh-huh. as a youth. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, my, I think my second year competing, I made the U S team and then I just kept going mm-hmm. from there. And then I just, you know, kept competing as yeah. an adult and I don't know. Who are some of the... Sorry, I totally cut you off. I did, no, this is no, a real quick going, question. Who yeah. were some of your teammates back then? Like Yeah. Emily I, Harrington. Oh, of course. Paige Clausen. Oh, Jesus. Luminous. Um, yeah. Angie Payne. Although she was more bouldering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never did quite as well in bouldering as sport. Alex Johnson. Alex Johnson. Um... Some names that don't even climb anymore or that I haven't heard in a while. But yeah, Emily Harrington and Paige. That's awesome. Like, you know, we kind of all just grew up competing together. And you guys were like 14 at this time? Yeah. Wow, man. 14. I mean, I remember at my first national championship in 98, um, I remember meeting Emily. Oh, man, that's so cool. Ooh, you're cool. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I mean, she's a look what she's become too. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. I remember in the Enorma cast, you're like, I really look up to her. I yeah, I she's still do. Fucking diversified. I just so think so much. Yeah, she's done a really good job at just staying and I don't know, changing herself and like changing her interests and keeping climbing alive for herself yeah. in that way. And I think a lot of people who compete, don't get to climb outside or don't want to. Mm-hmm. And then when their love for competing dwindles, yeah, they're just kind of lost. And she's done a really good job of kind of reinventing herself throughout her 20-something year career as well. Yeah, exactly. She's and, a role model. And that's Super. a question for you too, I guess, is at what point during this whole immersion of competition climbing were you kind of like, oh, there's actually climbing outside too yeah you know, like was it because you were I'm, I'm as a competitor i'm sure you were very hyper focused on training and mm-hmm. indoor but like at some point that must have come into the picture yeah well it came into my dad's picture first really he's the one that was like oh we should go climbing outside oh my god so within that first year mm-hmm. first six months you know he was bringing me climbing outside and at the time because we started together 
we had to hire guides to take oh, us yeah. and kind of teach us and show yeah. us around and whatever. But we <sighs> were flying for free at the time. So mm-hmm. we would like fly out to Red Rocks or J-Tree yeah. and just... I don't know. He just w- he saw that competitive climbing wasn't the end all be all. Yeah. And oh, so wow. he planted that seed, whether he knew it or not. Yeah. And so as my like, I kind of always dabbled in climbing outside after that. But as my love for competition dwindled, my love for sport climbing or climbing outside grew. And I was like, oh my God, thank goodness I have that outlet. Yeah. You know? Shout outs to your dad I yeah know. what a legend he's, i know props like, to that, him that's good papa work right <laughs> good there papa you know what I mean? seriously that's like truly looking out for your child like i know it's plastic shit ain't gonna ain't gonna, gonna cut, cut it, it your whole life <laughs> like you gotta get out totally one thing i'm fascinated in is like you're a teenager right yeah and you're obviously traveling all over the country yeah to compete to climb out. So why are you flying for free, by the way? Just as an aside. Yeah, my dad worked for Delta. Okay. And this was pre. He's a pilot. No, he kind of he's done a lot. He doesn't work for Delta anymore, um, but he used to do a lot of things. He wasn't a pilot, but we used to fly standby, mm-hmm. and this was pre 2011, so it was really easy to just catch whatever flights you wanted to. Oh yeah, yeah. And it was yeah. So it really opened up a lot of doors. That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Work for Delta. Um, <laughs> so what is like your support system and what does it look like for a teenager to be like on a comp climbing circuit? I don't think I've ever heard anybody really talk about the day-to-day travel and having your parents with you and like how you deal with that as a kid who's also in school, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, we traveled a lot on the weekends. Yeah. Um, it was my dad that was mostly involved in traveling with me and, and climbing with me. Mm-hmm. My mom, I don't know, maybe just wasn't really into climbing so much, but she also worked a lot, so she wasn't around a whole lot. Um, so, yeah, so it was just me and my dad, which was actually really cool, and I think that was a special thing about climbing is he and I didn't get along before climbing. Mm-hmm. Because we didn't really have anything in common. Yeah. And then he and I started together, and it just gave us something to kind of grow into as a a team, father-daughter duo. So it kind of developed our relationship. And you guys are great friends to this day? Yeah. God, that's great. Your dad deserves a gold medal. (laughs) Because obviously he's introducing you to climbing to be like, hey, this may be something we could do together. Yeah. Actually, as a side note, he had to convince me for like a month to try to go with him. Wow. Because initially I was like, uh, My dad's doing rock that? climbing? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Right, uh, in 1998? Yeah. yeah. Oh, God, hold on one sec. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going down. Going down. <laughs> the dogs. All right, sorry, my headphones got hooked on a dog's harness. <laughs> that was close. Um,. What were we talking about? Sorry. So I guess uh, in the in the vein of competition climbing, there had to be a point too where you were like, I guess this is my profession now, right? Or or like what was what was the transition from like high school into continuing to climb as because you consider yourself a pro climber, correct? Yeah. I guess I never really considered myself a. Mm-hmm. I, I never really tagged that on me. Yeah. For a while. Um, but yeah, I think it was like two days after I graduated high school, I was like, 
Yeah, I'm getting on a plane <laughs> and I'm going to Europe and I'm going to go wow. rock climb and compete in some of the World Cups over there. Yeah. Um, and I guess it was at that point that I was like, oh, I guess this is what I'm doing. And then I went back home, started college. But cl- like I would wake up at, you know, 4.30 in the morning to do conditioning stuff and then go to class and then climb and then go do my homework. Yeah. And like, dude, what a great schedule, to be honest. Like yeah. no worries in the world except for doing good in school, school and then train. training. Yeah. Yeah. You know? But how long can you keep that up? I kept it up through college and then and then I was like, okay, I'm still going to compete a little bit because mm-hmm. I didn't, I never, I never really felt like I met my potential in competition, if I'm going to be fully honest. Yeah. Um, these dogs. <laughs> this podcast will never take a squeaky toy out of a dog's no. mouth. This is we, not going to happen. No, yeah, sorry. People are just going to have to... F- fucking put up with it because it's awesome they're having so much fun Uh, (laughs) um yeah and then and then i guess it was like 2004 12 2012 Mm -hmm. or 13 or 14 something like that (laughs) probably 2014 now that i'm thinking about it was my last national championship Mm -hmm. and i think the year before that i was like you know i think it's time to start like winding down mm-hmm. you know like all the hours spent in the climbing gym training i just didn't really have it in me anymore i didn't have that like 11 year old psych <laughs> yeah yeah you know but specifically for the training specifically and for the gym time the gym time mm-hmm. yeah like i wanted to go climbing outside with my friends on the weekends yeah and wanted to plan like yeah. you know week trips or more outside and I don't know when you're competing and you're in it and like for my personality, I have to be in the gym. I have to do these like scheduled trainings so that I feel confident in the competition. And it was just like, Oh, I don't have it. I know it's a beautiful sunny day outside. I want to be with my friends outside. Yeah. You know, at some point the podium just, it's not worth the time to put in to stand on top of the podium. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's all there is to it. Totally. And then I think another piece of it too was like this younger generation was coming. Yes. Right? And like you, I mean, the majority of older people just like can't keep up because they don't have the time. They have other responsibilities now. It's not just school and Mm -hmm. training. And it just takes so much more. And like there's just a big difference. And I was like, I'm out of here. Yeah. You know? So me and Feedy were talking about yeah. before you came over. It's like you can't compete with the psych of a 16-year-old in a gym no. because they will stay there for eight hours. Hours. Yeah. And yep. be totally psyched. Love it. And they you love just it. can't. Like and mom like, isn't making you dinner anymore. You exactly. know what I mean? You got to go home and shop and cook and other Play priorities. With dogs. Exactly. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, and, plus, and plus those youth climbers, you know, they're essentially have like natural steroids in their body. They're so resilient to injury. Oh yeah. I yeah, mean, they're made out of rubber. They are. They warm up in like five or 10 minutes and they're ready to pull hard. Yeah. Whereas like now it takes 45 minutes to an hour. Dude, mm. you yeah. have to. It's so slow. Public, public service <laughs> announcement to all you aging climbers out there. <laughs> Fucking warm up. Warm up. Nice and slow. Yeah. Away yeah. from the wall initially before even. <laughs> before the pod started we spent about 20 minutes talking about all the all the aches we got oh, yeah. 
the injuries and aches. Yeah, we don't need to talk about that. We spent <laughs> probably a cumulative five hours talking about my injuries, so we're not going to go there on this goddamn podcast. Um, so when you leave comp climbing, it was such, I mean, it was, I would imagine, for other people, surely, but for you as well, it was probably like the defining characteristic of Chelsea. Yeah. It's what defined you. So when you decide to jettison that in favor of other things, how how do you deal with it? Like what are what's the what are the side effects of that? Like is there some sort of grappling with identity that yeah. comes along with that? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I actually experienced it more post youth circuit than like when I decided to retire from the adult stuff. Yeah. Um, cause with the youth stuff, you have to do all these competitions to qualify mm-hmm. for the championship events. And then there's regionals and then there's divisionals and then there's nationals and then there's worlds. Oh my gosh. So you're, you're competing a lot more. And I was always like seeking out a bunch of competitions just for the experience mm-hmm. versus with adult competition climbing, it's just nationals. Right. You know, so it's, there's less. So after youth stuff i i don't i just remember i remember sitting at this table outside and writing down my feelings because i kind of felt a little depressed and that i was like i don't even know what am i supposed to be doing during all of this off time (laughs) right and like do i go climbing outside like or do i spend my time in the gym Mm -hmm. And then I felt like <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's Franny, right? Franny, Franny. You know, Franny, I'm afraid we're gonna take it away, Franny. It's just too much. This is gonna be the first time. She's just too powerful with that. With that. She, she's a puppy. She's a puppy. That is literally like the drummer. Uh, I'm so sorry. I was trying so hard. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to like crack up. But I, know, I just me I saw your too. face slowly falling apart, and I was. <laughs> All right. Um, what? You were, you were <laughs> writing down your feelings. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just felt totally lost and and also felt like, well, if I'm not, you know, doing well in all of these competitions, like, are people going to be less proud of me? And, like, where, like, I don't know, like, am I less proud of myself, even though there's really not that many competitions yeah. that I can attend anymore? You know, yeah. Um, so it's quite the web to yeah. work through. Uh, I mean, it totally makes sense, though. You know, you you put like at this point probably at least a decade of your like life just really committed to something. You know, it's yeah. very valuable to you. So that's, I mean, it's always a something to grapple with. Yeah, yeah. I was living with a couple of friends at the time, and they were really helpful and kind of guiding me through this because. My friend's husband was a professional um, kayaker. Oh, nice. So they, they really helped me through that a lot. And also, like, my old climbing coach from the original team that I was on was really helpful for me. Um, and, yeah, I mean, slowly over time I realized, like, oh, well, of course, like, I'm not defined by all of these competitions, but I just had to kind of rewrite what I did, yeah. you know? 
It's weird because climb, it, climbing is not like ball sports, right? Yeah. Like you don't go, you don't have a jersey and you don't have all your, it's just different. Like climbing is defined by the lifestyle. Yeah. So much more than other sports. Yeah. And I can see why it would be, that's why we asked this question. It'd be so much more difficult to like, you think you're stepping away from like the lifestyle you've built. Yeah. But that's not true at all. Yeah, totally. So what did you do once you made that decision? Oh, you went to the adult circuit. Yeah. I just went to the adult circuit. Um, and that was really helpful. I think that that provided like a really good transition period for me. Yeah. You know, cause I was in college, um, trying to figure out like college and get through it. Yes. And then also figuring out like, well, do I really love rock climbing or am I just like a gym climber? Mm-hmm. And obviously love rock climbing, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, that was a no brainer. Yeah. Um, But just, I don't know, I just had to keep, like, telling myself, like, because at the time, I wasn't really crushing on rocks. Like, it Mm -hmm. didn't really transfer for me, you know? Like, some people do, like, Yanya. I'm sure she does well in competition, obviously, but I'm sure she can go outside and just, like, fire off 514 like it's no big deal. Dude, I wish she'd stop gym climbing. I know. And just go out so we could all see, like what she's capable of, where women can start going. Yes. You know? Oh my God. I look forward to this. I look forward to her retirement. I know. Me a too. Lot. <laughs> we, we talked about this actually on a previous pod, how we're like, the Olympics are awesome, but it's also taken like the outside climbers. Like, you know, I want to see Adam Andre back out there climbing some insane thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. I and know. So I guess after 2020, at least maybe for the next three years and then it'll be back yeah, to yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> a couple of years outside and then back to the training yeah. yeah yeah so i think it just you know provided that buffer but also like i was saying i wasn't really that great at climbing outside so i like wasn't competing so i lost that identity but then also i felt like i should be climbing harder outside mm-hmm. and i wasn't so i really had that battle inside too like oh is my dad not going to be proud of me because i'm not like sending 513 right now or like you know all these weird things that kids and young adults like create in their head (laughs) oh yeah and adults (laughs) and continue to into (laughs) adulthood and it never ends and it never ends (laughs) so you say you're not climbing hard outdoors and you're like quote unquote hard by the way because (laughs) what's hard for you and what's hard for us is probably wildly different but at this point, you're like ostensibly a professional climber, right? Yeah, I have You're sponsors. sponsored. You're in the magazines. Yeah. But. But uh, you're still worried about yeah, your I just, own self-value in the face of climbing and like how it's people re- react to that vis-a-vis. For sure. Crazy. For sure. I was always like, I don't know if I'm doing well enough. Like I got it like mm-hmm. outside right? Yeah. Gotta climb harder. Cause like there are people doing like, I guess at the time, like 13 D's, 14 A's for yes. women. And like, I had a, I had a really hard time transitioning into 513. And then, and then it happened and then it was fine. What but. was the breakthrough? <laughs> um, I think just more time climbing outside yeah. to be honest mm-hmm. and just more comfort and maybe more confidence in my own skin yeah that makes sense that no fucking makes perfect sense to what you were just talking about yeah like 513 was this 
number yes. that was like, Mythical. oh my God, you're part of the 513 club, you know? And that was really intimidating for me. Yeah. You know? And it took me a while to be like, what the fuck? It's just 513. I know. I know. I, I mean, I, I think that's true of every climber. Yeah. Every single climber. That's like once you hit 512, mm-hmm. you have the 512 club. You have yep. the 513 club, and then you have the 514 club. And I and now, allegedly, there's some <laughs> grades beyond that that I'm not aware of. I know. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I think you, you saying that you struggled with just that um, kind of barrier almost is really good to hear. Because, you know, you just kind of assume somebody who's competing and is already climbing pretty hard that it's for them, it's, you know, not that hard to just keep pushing themselves. I yeah. just, I think that's really like, Anyone who's new to climbing like builds these walls in their head, and I think it's just you need to hear that everybody does that, mm-hmm. and you gotta just become more comfortable. Yeah, <laughs> trying hard and like maybe getting your ass kicked a little bit, but totally. And I think too, it's really important to acknowledge that like climbing is at least sixty percent mental. Yes. You know, and so much so. And I don't remember anyone ever teaching that to me or talking to me about it. Yeah. Like my coaches initially were, it was all physical. Mm-hmm. Like, well, we got to put on, you know, X amount of weight on you so <laughs> you can do X amount of pull-ups with yeah. it and yeah. like all sorts of crazy shit actually. Mm-hmm. And it's just not, I mean, yeah, there's a physical side to it, obviously, but like you're going to go farther if you have a better mindset. And Totally. As, a, as someone who had high-level competition and then eventually did transition into some coaching, mm-hmm. I feel like you having that perspective would just be so helpful too. Because yeah. I, I don't know, I'm sure you've seen this where you have somebody in the gym who has unbelievable like stats, objective stats, like you were just saying. Like they can one hand hang off a 10 millimeter crimp, they can pump out one arm pull-ups, but then it just doesn't translate necessarily to their performance in mm-hmm. comps or outside and like... That is such a mythical beast, the mental. <laughs> oh, man. And it's so sticky because yeah. everybody is different, mm-hmm. right? Like you think totally different with regards to climbing than I do mm-hmm. and vice versa. And like even people who are competing and like are like walking in the steps of all of us that did it before them, like they have their own separate challenges than we had. Some of them are similar, but some of them aren't. Like today they have social media to worry about. I didn't have social media when I was a kid. (laughs) Right. You know, and like as an adult, that's a hard battle to deal with. (laughs) Yes. Aren't you so thankful? Oh, yeah. I'm so thankful. I think about it like every day. I'm just like, oh my God, thank God I wasn't (laughs) attached to a phone when I was 14. Totally. But I mean, my feelings of self-worth that I had as a kid would have been highlighted even more oh if social media were present. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine what these kids go through. Like, I, I, we're not even talking about climbing. I'm just talking I about know. the average kid on the street. Yep. Like, the bullying and the... And the comparing co- themselves. Yes, that's the word I was looking like, for. Constantly looking in a mirror at other people's achievements or other people are going out yeah. tonight. Yeah. Fuck, it just... And I, I, what yeah. a hellscape that would be. I know. And it's just their reality. Yeah. And it's just so messed up that these apps are designed to release endorphins in our brain and it becomes addictive. Yeah. You know, it's hard to control the addictiveness of it. Addictiveness? 
I no, think so. Right. I have proof. We're, okay. we're going to go ahead and green light that <laughs> one. Okay, right, right. That just sounded really weird. Um, as an adult, like mm-hmm. I can't yeah. imagine as a, a, a teenager oh, yeah. or younger, like some people yeah. have Instagram accounts and they're like nine. No, I don't, I don't like wrong. it. I love, I love also the idea of all these people are creating such a, like such a in-depth history of their like youth. You know, because oh, yeah. we're lucky. We can't look back at a lot of our dumb stuff. <laughs> Thank God, dude. <laughs> you, you just fa- vaguely remember it, but then they're going to have these eternal archives of all the things they did. Yes. <laughs> How terrible. Yes. On my fourth grade, fourth grade photo, I was wearing a sweater where the left arm was a carrot and it had like a green puffy thing. <laughs> and that's the honest God, truth imagine if people are like surfing my internet and be like oh look at mcallister's carrot sweater it's the kind of that shit that gets you beat up without instagram sounds amazing carrot man. sweater carrot sweater dude my mom's got to live with that for the rest was of her life was it just the one too. arm it was just <laughs> wait did your mom make it for you um i mean that'd be i mean no <laughs> if she would have made it i could understand it a little bit more but she fucking went to like tj maxx and was like this i think david <laughs> will love this carrot sweater <laughs> that's unacceptable um i shouldn't have said merry christmas to her this year it makes me angry just thinking about this um so we're talking about <laughs> i'm just kidding we're talking about the mental aspect i mean you coached usa climbing from like 2010 to 2013 you were a coach yeah so how do you coach that up like you were just saying, we're all so different, but how do you coach up the mental side? Well, I was one of the assistant youth U.S. team coaches, yeah. not for the adults. And um, I, at that point, had a coach prior who was really good of, at working with me on my mental side of climbing. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to translate what he taught me mm-hmm. to these kids, uh, but... At the time, I was still competing myself. Yeah. So it was it was difficult, actually. And I would say that I wasn't really all that successful at it until just recently coming back into coaching and seeing and doing it with different eyes, like yeah. maybe more mature eyes and having a break and having like processed my experiences, being coached and coaching and just like what I've learned in the meantime. Right, you were kind of still in the in your own battle. Yeah. During that time. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I started coaching when I was 17. And, like, I didn't stop, basically, until 2016. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, I, I mean, know. there are a lot of young coaches out there for every sport, though. If you're a badass athlete, they want you to coach. Yeah. And I loved it. But I was young, and I was, like, still also really focused on my stuff. Mm-hmm. And I tried... But I don't know how successful I was at it because I didn't, like, I was still trying to figure it out. Yeah. You know? It's good to be reflective. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Well, at least now if you if you feel like you can look back and see stuff you're like that you think you've improved upon. Because right now you're doing some more coaching, You said, like you said. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's been fun. I mean, when I started coaching, I was like, yeah, I can teach someone to make <laughs> in one day. <laughs> yeah okay i mean working with kids too is its own challenge oh it is it totally is 
I'm working with individuals is so mm-hmm. different than like working with a team. Yeah. And like working with males versus females is totally yeah. different. And I mean, I don't know. You just name it. I think coaching ambition is the hardest thing. So like I've coached youths as well, not in climbing, but the errors you make coaching kids are much less visible because yeah. what you're mainly doing is like facilitating a love of the activity yeah, and like really keeping that passion stoked and adults too. If they're not that ambitious, it's not that big a deal. Just like keep like do the right thing and get them on the right track. But when you're teaching athletes that are ambitious, Oh man, it's that's so a lot fun. more pressure. Yes. It's way more fun, but man, you're, that's when you're in pressure zone right there. That's what separates the cream of the crop. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I wanted to ask you, we've never, we've had a couple coaches on, we've never asked this question. What to you makes a good climbing coach? Oh, that's a great one. I can't believe we haven't, like we've had some <laughs> big time, but I've always wondered like what an actual coach when they're reflecting, because I'm sure you're not a 10 on all the, cali- like you wouldn't grade yourself an A plus in every category. No. And I think, and I think any coach worth their salt wouldn't grade themselves an yeah. A plus in every category. Yeah. I, I think one is knowing that you are not going to be able to provide everything for one one person, you know, like knowing your strengths and knowing your weaknesses is really important. But two, recognizing that like, it's actually your job to help guide them through these various situations while trying to help them reach their goals. So it's not just physical, right? You got to help them mentally. Um, You need to encourage them like to keep up with school and just make sure like, I just think a great coach is a very well-rounded coach. It's not just about climbing. It's about keeping up with climbing throughout your life, developing, helping the person develop a love for climbing so that they are a lifelong climber. Because it is a fabulous thing, whether you're a competitor, just a gym climber, or just a rock climber. You know, like it's, it's just like, it's a magical sport, really. Dude, I mean, it, you're preaching to the choir. Yeah. We're both lifers. Yeah. Sure. And I think just being able to guide them through every, even nutrition. Yes. Like, I think that a coach, a really great coach, <laughs> Franny. Hold on Franny. one sec. Are you going to talk to the dogs by closing that door? <laughs> Jesus, you guys. I'm sorry. Cyclists. No, you're fine. thing okay um so you were mentioning about the coaching nutrition as well oh yeah yeah i just think i just think a really great coach helps guide these athletes through all these different things that are getting thrown at them yeah social media included right like if they Mm -hmm. i just think it's really important like to be a mentor for that person um and recognizing like if you don't know anything about nutrition collaborating with someone who does so that you're bringing the best that you can to your athlete or athletes Mm -hmm. and i think that that makes a really fabulous coach well when so we'll talk about this if you don't mind when you were a youth athlete you suffered an eating disorder as well what year was that give me what years like ballpark yeah well I think my mom picked up on it before I did. 
I've read your Instagram post and it was awesome. What yeah. she yeah. what she made you do. Yeah. That's oh like man, your I parents. hated it at the time. <laughs> your parents are like need an award. <laughs> they did great work. Yeah. I mean, I I was like, what the heck, mom? This is not fair. So not cool. And then yeah, when I got older, I was like, oh, wow, oh, that was really wow. smart. <laughs> that was good. Good work, mom. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Gold medal parenting. But yeah. that was like early two thousands. 2000 no i think that was when i was i don't know in eighth grade Mm -hmm. i guess i started not eating all of my dinner and i don't even i actually don't remember doing that purposefully yeah my mom caught on to it and she had you know been to nationals with me been to the gym with me to drop me off or whatnot. And like she, she picked up on the culture, right? You emaciated kids. Yeah. You Mm -hmm. climb hard and, um, somehow you get really skinny and then you climb harder. You know, (laughs) (laughs) it's great, but not really. Yes. But my mom picked up on it and, um, yeah, so she made me read these nutrition books and write essays about them, about what I learned. And I was like, here you go, mom, whatever. And I don't even remember, like, wow. even, like, settling into that, like, what she was doing until I was older. And she never told you. She was just like, read these books. I want a book report. No, she told me that she noticed that I wasn't eating all my dinner. Okay. And I was like, I'm eating it, mom. I don't even know what you're talking about. You know, and you totally weren't. Yeah, I I don't. I I guess I wasn't. You know, Um, and then so, and I was very like oriented in that. Like, I really believed that if I did anything wrong, including like not eating well, my results would drop off. Mm -hmm. So I like was like, I don't know really good as a kid like I never experimented I never Mm -hmm. like really went to parties like I was just like nope gotta go sleep gotta go train gotta go to school gotta go compete you know all these things and in high school actually like girlfriends would be like oh we're going to the mall this weekend you want to join and and I couldn't because I was going to go I gotta do fucking curls I can't go to the mall I can't can't go to the mall (laughs) And, like, they totally unfriended me because I could never hang out with them. I mean... It's like an episode of Mean Girls. <laughs> yes. In reality. Yeah. That sounds like a very teenage girl yeah. thing right there. I mean, oh, and, yeah. And you were getting super serious about climbing in a time where, like, climbing is no, nowhere near as common as it is now. So, yeah. for them, they're like, what does Chelsea do? She goes... Well, yeah, that is... Yeah. That must have been strange. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no... I never went to school... Like middle school, high school, first part of my college years where there were other climbers. Never. Never. Versus now, like I work with a couple teenage girls and like they go to school with other climbers who are on Mm -hmm. teams here. Yeah. Um, To to keep talking about the um, eating disorder, um, Mm. do you feel like the climbing culture is has at least started to become more sensitive to that kind of stuff and our coaches taking on more of a responsibility to make sure that like that isn't necessarily a, as big of a problem with youth or um i think well i've been out of mm-hmm. coaching for a couple of years 
So I'm a little out of touch with that, if I'm yeah. going to be honest. Um, from what I've seen around here, though, yeah. honestly, it seems the same. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, and I think it's just really sad. And, you know, you see, like, Beth Rodden and, like, that generation yeah. of... Angie pe- Payne also. Yeah. Pe- uh, Katie Brown. Yes. Strong, I mean... Yeah. That booted her out of climbing for a while. Yeah. Just she was but sick like, of it. Like Beth Rodden has come out and she's starting to yeah. talk about things. It's great. Oh, it's oh, it warms my heart to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there is like more awareness, okay. I think. However, I don't really know if that's reaching into the youth right now. Mm-hmm. I it's like one of those things that we can tell them. This isn't the way you want to go about doing it, but it almost, unfortunately, just seems like that message just isn't getting across. Yeah. Can it? You know, I mean, the scientific proof is for. I mean, I fucking like I'm a scientist. I can't believe I just I said that <laughs> such confidence. Uh, if I can just open Whoa. up my uh, pocket protector. Um, no, but I mean, the truth is, like, for a limited amount of time. If you eat less, lose a bunch of weight, you are going to perform better. And there's just, it's proven. Yeah. I mean, that. I think that's the slippery slope with climbing. Yes. Is that climbing does re, can reward that. Yes. Right? But I think, you know, it. I think it is just like the quick way to get better. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't last. It doesn't last. Mm-mm your body ends up doing the opposite when you hit your 20s, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, injuries happen. It's just... Oh, yeah, much more frequently. Yeah, it's just not good. And I think that a coach's responsibility or a mentor's responsibility is to help guide them that way that you don't want this shortcut and nor do you need it. Mm-hmm. You know, like... Michaela Kirsch is a little bit younger than I am, but I always looked up to her for what she was doing because she was very strong, obviously, (laughs) but she was never cutting those corners as far as I know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And if she was, it wasn't going to the extreme that other people were. Sure. You know? Um, And she was owning it. Like she was, she, I don't know. Like you don't need to make those shortcuts. It's just... Yeah. Uh, it, you don't have to. I definitely, I mean, I understand like how it becomes kind of a vicious cycle too. Because yeah. you, you have so much invested in your climbing, like your performance is your identity. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, like I, I lost a little bit of weight and like I feel like I'm getting better. And it just keeps, it becomes this thing that you can't almost stop doing because if you do, then you're sacrificing. Yeah, the some, snake is constantly eating its own tail. It is. Because you're getting affirmed by the other people, you, the crushers out there who are emaciated, but just owning competitions. But yeah. I, the one thing I was going to say is this does seem psych- cyclical. Like, this is not the first time. Mm-mm. I mean, in the 80s, like, that was people, I don't know if you read Matt Samet's book yes. called Death Grip. I haven't yet. Oh, my oh it's God. so it's good. It's on my 2020 list, though. It's so good. <laughs> This is not like the crux of his book, but he talks about like his 80s, like spandex climbing yeah. time. And he was, you know, eating like six saltines and yeah. mustard. Just 
That well, was his entire caloric intake for a day, what, like 300 calories. That's what he says in the book. Essentially started that whole like addiction to um, benzodiazepines. Benzodiazepines. Yeah. Benzodiazepines because it triggered his first like panic attacks because he was essentially starving himself. Yeah, it messes with your brain chemistry. Yeah. And then that kind of got addressed a little bit. And then it seemed during Katie and um, Beth Rodden's competition days in Same the l- mid to late 90s, it cropped up again. Yeah. Um, and it's going to continue. It's, I, I really just don't think it's ever going to stop. You know, think, for youth athletes. Yeah, I, I think, be, and I think coaches could be um, more knowledgeable. Yeah. Right, and should be required to be more knowledgeable on the topic. Especially USA coaches. For sure. When there's an infrastructure to teach them, you know. Yeah, because then if they know more, they're going to be more confident talking about it. Exactly. I think what silences some of them is that they're uncomfortable. And like yeah. if it's a male coach and a female athlete, or vice versa, like just that difference in gender can be a little like confusing yes. to approach. That's right? I mean, that's pretty tricky if it's a male coach and a young female athlete. I can like yeah. what I want to say and I'm going to say it, <laughs> perhaps I'll get <clears throat> hate mail, but just whatever. Like visually, I look at the youth athletes that are out there crushing it right now. that are like vying for the Olympics. Yeah. Man. Everybody looks pretty darn healthy. Have you noticed that? Like this crop of youth athletes, and I'm not going to point out any names, um, but overall, everybody looks like pretty healthy young people. It's true. It's fucking crazy. It's like true. that's what I'm talking about. This cycle, right at this exact moment, they everybody looks like setting a pretty good example. I feel like. Yeah, and you know what? I would actually say that. USA Climbing in the last couple of years have, has done a really good job of providing education to mm-hmm. the U.S. team. I'm not so, like, I don't know specifics, but it really seems like they've stepped up in their support for the team. And I yeah. know that they have had speakers, um, at least one person about nutrition. And I think that that's really important. And for the adults, I think that's crucial. Like, I would love to sit there and listen to someone talk to me about, you know, sports nutrition and help me work through it. And these athletes, I think, are getting that. Yeah. You know? But how do you do that with a youth climbing team? Because there's so many of them, and they live all over the place. Yeah. And not everyone can afford to go into, you know, one place at the same time other than, like, nationals or world championships. Hundreds of coaches, you know, that are dealing with hundreds of climbing teams. It's just... Yeah, it just needs to be addressed at a later time, like you're saying. Yeah. I think it's the only way. Yeah. But also, they have really good role models. Like, it's so cool that Alex Johnson jumped back on the oh, team. Oh, I know. It's like, holy shit, what a like great role model in 16 different ways I could talk about. For sure, for sure. And she's just like the elder statesman for the women's team. Like, that's not fair. That's awesome. <laughs> I know, I know. I was psyched to see that. Yeah. I think it's great. Yeah, that'd be like, well, Daniel Woods, best role model. <laughs> yeah, seriously though. But but to to touch back on the, you know, the coaches interacting with other gender um, athletes. Yeah, I think that's another thing that education is helping with is just realizing that as a coach, the comments you say, like you might think they're like really innocuous or innocent, but like how 
something can really stick with a youth athlete and like really affect the way they think about things. Cause I think in your yeah. Instagram post, you talked about how one of your coaches made like a offhand comment about like your physique, I think, and how that like, yeah, yeah. Like people, they don't realize that they're, what they're saying has like so much weight and yeah. impact on this whole issue, I guess. Well, so. I think that's what brought attention to my body yeah. actually. And, and they weren't even my coaches. They were some coaches from Colorado because mm. I was living in Atlanta and they flew into town to do some private coaching and some clinics and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I mean, of course, like I'm going to sign up for it because I want as much experience yes. as possible. And I think I was probably like 14 mm -hmm. maybe and 13 maybe. And they totally pulled out these calipers. I don't remember oh, anything else about the yeah. session. Nothing else. I only remember these calipers. <laughs> and they were pinching all of these weird spots on my body, <laughs> measuring mm -hmm. my yeah. fat. Yeah. And, and I fully remember them saying, well, you know, you got some back fat and like these love <laughs> handles. It's like... <laughs> I'm 13 or 14 I know, it's years so old. fucked up. It's unbelievable. You know, and that that was the first time that I was like, Whoa. love handles. And it stuck with me ever since. And so then, I guess... Love when... handles is a 14-year-old. <laughs> yeah, back fat. Back fat is a fucking for. And I'm sure at the time you were like... A perfect example of a very like healthy 14-year-old. A, norm a normal 14-year-old <laughs> yeah. athlete. Yeah. Oh I wasn't overly God. skinny. I wasn't overly big. I was just like, You're just I a just normal was, kid. you know? Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, that stuck, obviously it stuck with me. And then when I, probably my senior year mm -hmm. of high school, cause I was driving. So I was working at the climbing gym. I'd come home late. My parents would be asleep and I would just take a few bites of whatever my mom had made me for dinner and I would leave the rest. So I like resorted back to not eating my dinner. Yeah. And started losing weight. Um, yeah, so I stopped eating like all my dinner, started losing weight. It was, and I just carried that over till after I graduated. And then I had my last year of youth competition stuff. And I remember that summer, like, I went to on a road trip here to Colorado. I would eat, like, Roma tomatoes during the day. <laughs> Vegetable soup with some avocado. But I would make sure not to eat all of it. Mm. You know, it yeah. was like a, yeah. I can't eat all of my food type of thing. Yeah. And, and when I had the ability to weigh myself, I would, and I was like, I have to stay under this certain amount. And, and I, I remember like my dad being like, you know, they're charging us more for your insurance cause you weigh less. And I don't think that he even like realized what was going yeah. on. That's how light you'd gotten that it was affecting insurance rates. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And, and I will say like, I never got super light, yeah. like, you know, double digit light at all, but it made my BMI really low. So it targeted me to be underweight. 
Maybe we should transition. Maybe this is a good time yeah. to transition. Let's. Uh, we want. I want to respect your time, so we don't, maybe a couple more things to talk about. But I want to talk. Like so, your Instagram presence is fantastic. Thank like, you. it's really personal, and you talk about things that other climbers don't feel comfortable talking about. Like Beth Rodden, you know, she's doing the same thing right now as well. And you're sharing experiences that you don't hear from, like, professional climbers or former World Cup athletes yeah. aren't as open as you are. Um, and the one thing that I've taken from following your Instagram for, like, two years is that it seems like you seek balance yes. in climbing and you're you've kind of you're in a portion of your life where you're pushing the professional aspects of climbing away from you not away from you i was but you're maybe dropping the reins a little bit not holding them on so tight yeah and you're still in grad school no you graduated i didn't well i saw i was doing like post back work yeah and i applied to pa school oh to get into pa school yeah been rejected and waitlisted. Oh, you're fucking waitlisted. <laughs> God damn it. That's it's hard. okay. It's actually yeah. really okay. But that's still good. the goal, right? Is to be in the medical field in some way? I think Or is so. there a new goal? I don't know. Oh my God. Yeah, this I is know. exciting. Is it going to be breaking news? Breaking news. <laughs> I want to be a professional photographer. <laughs> exactly. Um, anyway, but it, it seems like you seek balance yeah. in your climbing. Is that something... Um, God, I don't even know where my question is because I want to be like, how do you do that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Or is that just something that comes along with you growing? I think so. Like, how did you realize it? Because a lot of people, I'm going to talk for a second longer. I know I'm talking too much, but in our sport, one of the like tragedies I really see is that it's such an easy life to live as a climber, as yeah. a broke ass climber. Yeah. And you can go through your 20s being a dirtbag, seasonal jobs. And then you go through your 30s and it's just one day you wake up and you're 45 years old or 46 years old or 42 or whatever and you don't have health insurance. You don't have anything on your resume. And I yeah. see this happening to so many climbers. Yeah. But you realize that early. Yeah, I mean, I... I think that I've always been a driven person and I've always really been interested in science and healthcare mm -hmm. and wanted initially to go to medical school. But when I graduated college, I was like, well, I really want to try to reach my potential as a climber because I thought I would regret it if I didn't. Totally. Like, look back and be like, oh, if only I had done this, you know? Oh, you cannot die with that. <laughs> no, no you way. can't. But then I guess the opposite is true, too. Like, I sit here, now I'm 33. I didn't pursue medical school. I, then I thought I wanted to go to PA school, or sorry, PT school, and then it was PA school. So I've kind of, I mean, it might seem like I'm balanced, but I'm just a normal human. Yeah. And I have my day-to-day -day struggles or like year-to-year -year mm -hmm. struggles too, as far as like, how do I make this work for myself? Like, I'm definitely going to be a lifelong climber, but climbing doesn't, or it, it never really just did it for me. So I wanted to try to pursue my potential and see if I could reach it. And then... And then I was like, all right, I feel like the time is right. 
So I was going to apply to PA school, mm-hmm. like, you know, a few years ago. Didn't work out. And I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to, like, keep climbing again. Like, I'm with Adidas. And I, there's a lot of potential there. Yeah. <laughs> and then it kind of circled back around again to where it was like, I'm ready. I'm ready to do this. Like, I feel like I actually finally have found my feet. I have roots in the ground. Like, I feel in a, like I'm stable and that I have pursued the climbing thing. Did I ever reach my full potential? Eh, I don't know. But what does that even look like anyway, especially if you're not really a competitor? I think yeah. you can like strive to reach a potential even if you have another career as an adult. Mm-hmm. You know, it just takes a little bit more like balance, time management. I mean, it's a question of introspection to find out what youth what reaching your potential means to you because you'll never reach anybody else's potential totally totally ever ever. in anything you ever do nothing will ever be good enough for x y or z out there yeah which is what you live with as a human right yeah and that's why humans spend their lives beating themselves up yeah i know it's so because there's always somebody out there who says oh you could have been so much more right yes and sometimes that person resides in your own brain yep Uh uh-huh and, I, and, and that person, I think, lives in my brain. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, I coached for so long, but the whole time I was like, oh, I mean, I like coaching, but it's not going to be my career, mm-hmm. you know? And so I never even, like, looked at coaching through that lens of, like, I could make a career out of this. Yeah. It was yeah, just, yeah. like, this temporary thing that I was doing initially to give back to the community and that's kind of what it stayed as yeah until i was like i need to like not coach anymore i need to stay take a step back um but it was actually my shoulder like hurting my shoulder which really threw me out of climbing yeah um for a while that made me realize i think like i'm ready to actually pursue Mm -hmm. something bigger so i started working at a women's health clinic yeah I started working also at a dermatology clinic, loved it, even though I had no life. Like, <laughs> I tried to go to the climbing gym after work, and oh, it sucked so bad, because I gave everything that I had to my patients mm-hmm. during the day. Yes. And the last thing I had the ability to do was go to the gym when it's so packed, and everybody wants to yeah. talk to you. Willpower. And I was just like, no! So I wasn't even really climbing. And so I applied to PA school and I was like, I'm just going to ride this wave. (laughs) (laughs) There's, there's nothing like a, an injury that really puts perspective into like everything. I don't know. Like getting hurt like that where you're like, holy crap, this thing that I have been relying on, you know, to support me and like provide me so much happiness. Like I can't do it at all. Yeah. Yeah. And like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> it affects yeah. people in totally different ways though. Like yeah. totally different ways. Jesse Huey, you yep. you're friends with him, right? Yeah. He just tore his meniscus as well. Oh no. Um, but he's like, This has fucking shown me that climbing I'm so passionate, I can't wait to so it's like Grow, the yeah. spectrum is just gigantic. Like when I hurt my meniscus, I was like I could use eight weeks off. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? I could yep. maybe gain a couple pounds, catch up on some Netflix. Yeah. And, he, and then you were like, well, maybe this is a sign that I should pursue a career. Yeah. It just kind of coincided with me feeling more in my feet and more comfortable and like 
ready to just kind of buckle down and do the work. Mm-hmm. And I had no choice. Climbing was already on the back burner, you know? Um, yeah, so I just kind of put my head down and I applied and have interviewed and have been waitlisted and rejected. And initially I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do with my life if yeah. I don't get into PA yeah. school? And dude, I was like checking my email every like 10 <gasps> minutes. Like someone's got to write me back and invite me for an interview. And, you know, I was just like super obsessive and not good. Yeah. And so after I submitted all my applications, I, I quit my job because I had some athletes approach me for some coaching. And I was like, I'm going to just kind of ride this wave until I start hearing back from schools and interviewing and just kind of like let myself relax before potentially going to PA school and then really having to let go of it. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. It's kind of put me in a really good spot. I've always wanted to create this space for women and girls mm-hmm. within climbing and it's always taken different faces over the years and I was always too intimidated and afraid of failure yeah. and um, not not getting into PA school or at least being waitlisted has um, made me realize exactly what I want to do in that kind of field. Yeah. Um, and then, I, and then it made the rejections for PA school seem less bad. Yeah. You know? Yes. Yeah. You and know, you should feel happy about your situation in one way because you're like, well, fucking, I didn't get what I wanted. So I'm just going to go coach. <laughs> I have these opportunities to coach. I got a clinic at the Red Rock Rendezvous. Like some people got to go get a job at Seven Eleven. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fuck, that's really yeah. nice that you've built yourself this huge safety net that happens to be weaved out of your passion. Yeah. That's really nice. It's really cool. And, and at the same time, it's made me realize that, you know, all of these years where I was like, Oh, you know, coaching is not going to be my career and climbing is like, yeah, it's my career, but it's not going to be like my main career type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I was so blind. Yeah. Really? Right. And not to say that this is going to be my career. Like I I might reapply for PA school next year. Um, But, you know, there's something else that I'm building and I'm really psyched on it. And and I finally reached this position where it's like, you're totally right. Like this is a privilege. Like I don't have like a ton of extra money. But (laughs) the fact is, is I'm happy. And like I have time to like be with friends and I get to explore Mm-hmm. different ways to teach people and like mentor people and and then learn all these other things with this other thing that I'm building you know yeah. so this this what you're building it's called a she sends collective right yeah could you I guess talk more about that like what, what is the I guess what is the um the hole that you were seeing in climbing ah. I guess that you're hoping to maybe fill with this program or yeah yeah well, there's a really big women's movement right mm-hmm. now in general, yeah. especially within our sport. And growing up in climbing, um, I never had female climbing partners yeah. ever until I became an adult and more women were climbing. And I always wanted them. Um, but there's this weird space where like, not all women are comfortable climbing with other women because they might feel intimidated. Um 
And, you know, it's easy for other women to start climbing with their partners because mm-hmm. the partner typically shows them the ropes and everything. And then that just becomes their partner, their like climbing partner. Yeah. And um, like I said, I've, I've been wanting to create something for women and girls for a while, but it just kind of landed on this fact that the last couple of years I've been teaching a lot of women's oriented clinics mm-hmm. and there's magic that happens in that actually yeah. that I saw for the first time ever. It's like there's a space that's created specifically for women in climbing. Yeah. And so these women come to the table and sure it takes them a minute to kind of loosen up and let their guard down. But then once they do like they're learning, they're having fun. And then the bond that everybody's making with mm-hmm. one another is just super powerful and I never experienced that growing up. Wow. And even as a young adult, like I, you know, in my 20s, I never experienced that really. And then all of a sudden I'm helping facilitate that just by hosting mm-hmm. these women's clinics. Was that surprising for you? Like, were you learning about this magic at the exact same time as everybody else? Yeah, because <laughs> like you go to the gym and girls can be catty. Girls... I mean, everyone carries weird energy, right? Yeah. Yeah. But like girls can be catty, girls can be competitive and whatever, whatever. Like it's just, it's not like the same space that's being held. And somehow like these clinics were breaking that down. Yeah. You know, and like allowing these women to come up to the plate and just like kind of take it wherever they wanted to within that time frame. And, um, you know, there are, there's other women's organizations such as Flash Foxy and yeah. a bunch of like little tiny satellite things going on. Um, but I feel like these organizations are allowing women to slip through the cracks and maybe they're not as inclusive as they should be. Or I don't know, like I just keep hearing all this mm-hmm. feedback. Like I didn't feel comfortable at this thing, but I felt comfortable here and like whatever. And I'm not saying I'm going to be perfect at creating Jason's <laughs> Collective because that's I know that that's not possible. Mm-hmm. But I just want to try to create a space that allow like that captures more women than mm-hmm. are being captured right now. So the, like I want to have climbing offerings, but then I'm also um, because of my friend Savannah Buick. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she um, passed away a couple of years ago in a climbing accident, but she struggled with eating disorder. And the summer before she passed away, she was in Colorado and she was living with me and we talked a lot about life and it was her first time being away from home. Like she was just starting to spread her wings and she was talking to me about how she had just like learned how to work through her eating disorder Mm -hmm. and how she felt like she was in a really good spot with it. But that it broke her heart that there wasn't enough education about or around eating disorder, especially within our community. And so she, I remember we were driving to Vedavu and she was like, it is my life mission to help um, educate and help people get help with eating disorder. Because yeah. it's not an easy thing. It, it, you have to have so many resources to get yeah. the right amount of help. And... Um, so she sends a collective is going to offer easier access to nutritionists and therapists alike. And wow. that is kind of in honor of her. Wow. Yeah. 
that's great. That's beautiful. Yeah. For the yeah for the outdoor world, I mean, I I imagine we're talking about the wider outdoor adventure athlete. There's yeah. just not as many. We're all supposed to be like independent and like yeah. just floating around on the breeze. Totally. And There's not an infrastructure like in other sports, right? Right. Or lifestyles. Yeah. The whole point of climbing is there is no infrastructure. Yeah. But we really need it. Yeah. Oh, it's fucking great, man. Yeah. And yeah, so I just finally have landed on this thing that actually like feels really right. And it feels like it's the right time. And uh, I'm psyched. Yeah. I'm really psyched about that piece of it. Because um, I, you know, like the Climbing Grief Fund mm-hmm. is something similar. They're offering like... That's Madeline and... Um, Madeline and Sky um, Yardini. Yeah, Sky Yardini, okay. Yeah, and, you know, they're doing it in conjunction with the American Alpine Club. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it's so... It seems like such common sense in hindsight that, like, yeah, our sport, we lose people in our sport. Yeah. Yes. You know, and there was no sort of, you know, infrastructure to help people work through that. And it's the same thing with eating disorder and even mm-hmm. just like mental health in general. That's a, honestly, that's a really good point about the 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 grief aspect. I think because yeah. yeah, like I don't know. The other day, I was just you know, Rock and Ice every year does a climbers mm-hmm. we lost post. And you're yeah. like, oh my god, like a lot of people die climbing every oh, year, and you're yeah. just like, what happens to the families, you know, and or the. I mean, just the incident with like Brad Gobright, like there was a survivor in that incident. Like that person I'm sure is going through crushed. Yeah. Going through <laughs> hell right now. So like, can't even can't imagine. Even imagine yeah. 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 So I just think that, um, that especially is an area that's needed within our community. And I've heard a lot of feedback from other women that, you know, maybe they want help, but they don't even know where to look or maybe they know where to look, but they don't have the financial resources to get it mm-hmm. you know maybe their insurance doesn't cover it or whatever because you know it's climbing yeah. yes <laughs> climbing is getting more money however you know i fucking haven't seen any of it have you guys <laughs> no <laughs> have you guys found any because i i hear it's just floating around out there up in certain spaces ah, <laughs> okay we need to go to those spaces <laughs> wherever they are i don't know where they I are i don't know either damn it um so what does she sends collective look like then yeah so like there's not much information out there about it i know so far but it hasn't launched it hasn't launched the first event is launching in march which is really exciting um but like i said there's there's two pieces of it there's a climbing piece and then there's the nutrition therapy piece so the climbing piece of it i am picturing there's going to be like group meetups which is common among other like women organizations mm-hmm. out there um something that i i think i'm gonna stick with the term like mm-hmm. women's climbing circle and yeah. that's gonna be a four week long program where women are meeting once a week mm-hmm. and those event those days are all coached initially it'll be by me because I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, I know what I'm doing with coaching, yeah. but like I can't hire anyone right now. You <laughs> yeah. know, I don't know. See how this thing goes first. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm going to be coaching it initially, but the um, vision is to have other people step into that role if they want to give back to the community or be involved somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, so the women's climbing circle, four week, 
four weeks long, once yeah. a week for like two hours or so. Um, the other piece of it is like doing pro clinics around the country at various gyms, but, um, you know, it, it would be a she sense collective. Yeah. Uh, right. Um, and then the other big thing is hosting retreats. So this would be across the country, potentially goals, fingers crossed across the world. Um, mm-hmm. weekend to week long nice. trips to a specific amount of women There'll be sponsor or not sponsored scholarships for mm-hmm. women um, to be able to attend if their finances aren't really there to support that. Um, and same thing like scholarships to, to support women attending any of these things because there will be a small fee. It's not going to be anything outrageous. Yeah. Um, but everything excluding the the women's group gathering meetup thing would have a little bit of a charge but I'm hoping to be able to provide scholarships. So that is not a barrier. I mean, you're providing value too. So yeah. just yep. don't sell yourself short here. Like you're, no. they're paying for a quality product, totally. coaching and man, totally. nutrition and therapy knowledge. That's a, yeah. So is this just you right now? Yeah. Just you. Just me. Well, I feel that like... has to be a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, um, One of my friends directed me to this organization that provide um, entrepreneur mentors. Yes. It's a nonprofit organization in Denver called SCORE, Mm -hmm. and you apply for it, and then they pair you with someone that might fit with you. And so I've been paired with a mentor, and um, we're meeting in person for the first time tomorrow. Cool. And I can't wait. Nice. Good luck. But she's been wonderful so far. Like, she has helped me see that actually I am thinking about things in the right way. Um, But it is, like, I don't know what things to tackle first sometimes. Like, I tend to get stuck on, like, small details to try to perfect things. And I need to, like, big picture... Let's just kind of get this thing rolling, um, slow and steady, and just kind of start getting the name out there and branding and, and yeah. all that stuff. I think the details, ironically enough, are kind of like the easy part. I know. It's when you fly up to like 30,000 feet and you're like, oh shit, I have to connect Yeah. all of this yeah. by some sort of cogent thread. Right. You know, that's you're like, yeah. I don't know where you buy that thread. I know. <laughs> I, that's what I'm trying to figure out. How do yeah. I link the, yeah. the climbing things that we're offering to the nutrition therapy pieces of it? Yeah. You know, like, I think it's just connected by the name She Sends Collective and everything that it stands by. Yeah. But how that, you know, materializes. Materializes, yeah. Yeah, and how you, like, market it, right? Yeah. Or, like, get it out into the world. Have you talked to um, your sponsors about this or have you, yeah, what's been the feedback there? Um, I've gotten a lot of really great feedback, which also feels really good. And um, yeah, it just feels really good. And I mean, I haven't written an exact proposal to them, Yeah, but they think it's a great idea and they're ready to support however they can and whatever I need, whatever that might look like. I don't know. That's really nice. That feels good. That's encouraging. That's super encouraging. That's really encouraging. I think (laughs) of what Steph Davis does at her um, Moab like tutorials, her crack climbing clinics. Yeah. And what her sponsors do for that is 
fucking tremendous, dude. Yeah. Like every athlete gets shoes and mm-hmm. gear and clothing. And then they get to spend time with like one of the legends of our sport. Super legend. But I mean, that's made possible by our sponsors. Yeah. So it'd be nice to get a little well, support I, there. But I don't even know if you want that. I do. Yeah. Okay. I do. I think that, I mean, I think that's a big privilege, Ed, but also something that I worked really hard to gain. Right? Like through my climbing career. Fuck yeah. You deserve every cent of that. Yeah. And so I I am really excited. And of course I want it because I I think it will help propel me in the right direction. Yeah. You know? And Well, I mean, don't be mistaken. If your sponsors are like, here's some money or whatever for you, (laughs) they're going to be like, this is going to look really good for us too. Like Chelsea's program, (laughs) she sends collective is going to reflect very well on the Adidas brand. Yeah. But hey. Who? Yes, it will. You know, <laughs> Give it's me a my win-win money. maybe for both. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So how can people find out more about it and yeah. like get involved with it? And then maybe there's a coach out there listening who's like, I'd like to yeah, provide my services. Well, it's really cool. Um, when I first kind of found the name and made an Instagram account, like people were reaching out to me already and they were like, I want to be involved. Like, how can I be involved? I live in Seattle. I live wherever, wherever, wherever. And I was like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes here. <laughs> I got to launch it here because this is where I am. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to reach back out to you. Just yeah. like, yeah. no, I don't know what I'm doing. A. <laughs> yeah. And B, um, I really appreciate you. Yeah. I'll be back around. You're great. <laughs> you know? Thank you. We yeah. will be talking. <laughs> we will be talking. Um, let me find my feet, though, with this thing. Um, yeah. I forgot what your question was. Um, (laughs) What was my question? I'm psyched for you. It's really great to hear that there's so much positivity out there already for it. I think that cannot be anything but a good sign. Good omen. Right. Yeah. You you asked how people could find it. Yes, that's it. Instagram, she sends underscore collective. Yes. Um, I am building my own website because things cost money. Yeah. Yes. You'll have a ground floor. Yeah, I March. will have a um, a floor mat, if you will. Yeah. Come February for a website okay. to launch. Yeah. Sweet. And it is shesenscollective.com. And then people will be able to sign up for the programs on that? Yep. People will be able to sign up. Um, the first two events that I have scheduled are already on there. So it'll be really easy. You can just hit RSVP. Still working out how people would pay, but we'll get to that. That's a critical <laughs> aspect of yeah. your business model, Chelsea. Yes, yes. I just IOUs. Huh. <laughs> exactly. Um, Notebook IOUs. Yeah. Nice. And what gym is it going to be at? It's launching first at Evo. Evo, right on. Yeah. Cool. They've been really wonderful in, in inviting me to start this thing there, which is awesome. Nice. I mean, Hillary's a legend as well. Yes. Yeah. Big and time. I don't know if you know Clint, the owner of the Louisville mm-hmm. location. Mm-hmm. He's an old school Atlanta climber. So oh, no I, kidding. Yeah. I actually knew him, you know, when I was a kid, which is so funny. That's Such a crazy. small world. The climbing world is very small. It yeah. is very, very small. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know half that staff, I think. Yeah. They've uh, just been so wonderful. It's a great gym. Yeah. Hillary's built a really nice culture there. Yeah. And I think it's the perfect place for She Sends to launch. Yes. Yeah. It seems like it. Yeah. 
Um, all right. Well, well, that was a roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> right? I, <laughs> we just went on. The dogs are passed out now. <laughs> the, yeah, I know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no. just wrapping no, yeah. up. They're like, all right. I guess one last question I have for you. Yeah. So you have all this stuff going on. Where's climbing fit into your life right now? Like, you still like just kind of doing it because you really enjoy it? Or do you have any secret goals in mind for still like you're pursuing? I'm just curious. Ah, that's. <laughs> Thank you, Feedy. That is a necessary question. <laughs> we almost let go. Um, I just started my first day of a new training plan. Ooh, nice. cool. Super cool. I haven't done anything like this since I hurt my shoulder yeah. over two years ago now. <sighs> it's intimidating, um, but I do have goals that I want to do. Awesome. 2020. Um, and I'm, I'm psyched. I think that there's really good balance right now in my life, even though yeah. day, every day I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so stressed. <laughs> there really is a good balance between, yeah. you know, figuring out the she sense collective, doing some coaching on the side and then the climbing aspect for my personal self. Yeah. The balance thing too. I gotta say one more thing too, that I admire about your like climbing journey is that it's if you're like just a sport climber or especially no not especially if you're just a boulder just especially just a gym climber um it's easy to burn out oh it's you have so to be easy. able to ping around like you got to be a you don't have to be anything what the fuck am i talking about <laughs> but it's nice to be like to have like this overarching love of the sport and i admire that you learn crack climbing and trad climbing and ice climbing in the north buttress of, God, what did you climb in Alaska? Mount Hunter. Hunter, that's it. Yeah. Like, you're really, sp- and I feel like that probably kept climbing really fresh for you. It did. Like, yeah. This is a whole nother stack of worms. Yeah. <laughs> it did. It made me, like, I don't know if I've ever been so psyched outside of competition yeah. than when I was, like, pursuing learning all of that. Yes. Like it was just, I I had that 11 year old psych. Yeah. Like it, awesome. no, nothing was getting old. Mm-hmm. At the same time though, I think that the trajectory of where I was going with all of that was just too fast, too soon. Yeah. So like, I don't think I had a good, um, what am I trying to say? Foundation yeah. for these things, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So like you have your comfort zone and like it's smart to take small baby steps outside to slowly expand that comfort zone. Yeah. I think that I just like, you know. Took off in a dead sprint. Took off, <laughs> exactly. Like in this big jump and like landed way out in outer space. And I got spooked. Yeah. You know? So I, I've had to like reel it in a little bit and like work through that and like, okay, I'm going to go back to doing that. I've decided I'm going to like dust off my ice axes this year. I haven't placed a piece of track gear since Savannah's accident, but I'm going to this Mm -hmm. year. Oh, good for you. And I think it's just like being more true to myself and that like maybe other people have these expectations that like I'll try to climb 513 or 514 and ice climb, whatever, whatever, but not letting that get to me because really this is just my own journey and I'm just on this surfboard like surfing away on whatever wave <laughs> I am on in the moment, you know? Yeah, yeah, you, dude, you can do whatever you want to do. Yeah. It's exactly. nice to 
have that psycho or that freak out moment where you're like, holy shit, I'm in outer space. Oh yeah. Because during that little venture you took <laughs> out of your comfort zone, you must have filled your quiver with like techniques, experience, knowledge. Oh dude. So now when you like slowly go out again, you'd be like, oh, this is fucking way more comfortable. <laughs> way more You know? What yes. so going back to Feedy's question, the last question. Yeah. Do you want to share any of your climbing goals with us for 2020 or is yeah. there one that stands out um one that i feel comfortable sharing okay i went to the red in um 2014 mm -hmm. and it was the first time that like i wasn't ever really into projecting things outside i was yeah. more like on site or a couple tries yeah That's yeah kind yeah, of yeah. it and I decided, well, my first real project, let's do it at the Red. Because, you know, that's mm -hmm. so convenient for us here in Colorado. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just a little weekend it's, trip. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I can, I can do this. Um, but I went and um, my friend Francois Lebeau made a video. Yeah, yeah there's a good one. Yeah, on Thanatopsis. Yeah. Um, I didn't do it. Uh, I did everything that my coach at the time, Justin Strong, was telling me not to do. Which was, he was like, make sure you rest. <laughs> you're going to feel like you're close and you're not going to want to rest. But just remember, oh. you need rest. And I, of course, I'm not, of course, what am I saying? I did feel close. And of course, you I was like, rest. I don't need rest. Let's it's going to happen. Next go. Next go. No, seriously. Oh, yeah. Next go. Yeah. It was like six days on, on like you know, credit card crimps, mm -hmm. fingertips were bleeding, just like they were all taped. Oh. It was heinous. Mm -hmm. I went back for one weekend and it was a waterfall. And yeah. that is my experience on it. And yeah. I just feel like... Unfinished business. Yeah, and I, I don't even know if I am motivated by that type of climb anymore. <laughs> Actually, like I look at it and I'm like, meh, I don't know. I let, I'm kind of gearing towards more like thuggy yeah not quite my style mm -hmm. type of climbs <laughs> so this one is like you know barely overhung super crimpy not that long whatever but just for me just to like connect the dots in that growth i want to go and, and finish that thing fuck yeah yeah. That'd be pretty sick yeah i think so i think it would be a really proud moment for me just yeah. to like all the all the shit I've yeah. gone through and I like, know, full circle. Yeah, exactly. Full circle. <laughs> you call up Francois when you're ready. Francois, let's go. Well, we were talking about it this year. He had a baby and then, yeah, I kind of was. Babies are serious. Babies are serious. <laughs> He's got a cute baby She Sense Collective would be a good place to do that during the um, festival they have down there. I know. I know. Well, Which is a fucking madhouse. But oh, it's a madhouse. Anyway. Yeah. You could, it's a great time to like do something like that. I know. Well, this fall I went back to the Red just for a weekend yeah. to do kind of like a retreat style thing with this group of women that I'd worked with earlier in the year. Yeah. Just to see how it would run. And it was awesome. Yeah. So I, I don't know if it'll actually happen, but one of my goals is to have like an actual She Sense Collective retreat for a weekend oh, at the red river that sounds amazing. This dude that place suits that kind of stuff yeah so fucking well there's so many 
why am I doing that? I don't know. That's <laughs> very aggressive. Um, that's very aggressive. So aggressive. There's so many like cheap Airbnbs and oh places to stay. Like yeah. every year they're just like cropping up on this hill oh, and that amazing. hill. And it, there's so much climbing. It's yes. just unbelievable. It's just yeah. And we actually went to roadside. We got a permit and nice. the woman who owns it is so wonderful. She only opened it up to us that weekend. Wow. So we had the whole wall to ourselves. That's amazing. Dude. What? <laughs> That's it pretty was amazing. crazy. It was amazing. That's like going to Lincoln on the weekend of June 14th and you're the only person there. I know. I know. <laughs> or like RMNP or Evans or something. Oh, Which man. never happens anymore. <laughs> no, no, that's never ever. Those days happen are again. gone. Um, well, well, dude, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. Sorry for the. Uh, oh, it's okay. Thanks massive for, yeah. drama. Thanks for dealing with my puppy dog. Uh, it was no. a lot of. It was kind of fun. I kind of enjoyed it. I did too. <laughs> All that is a roller coaster. And best of luck with she sends. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. I'll yes, keep you guys posted. Okay. Let's check in again. Cool. Down in the city with the wind, holy moly thank you chelsea that was really fun thanks chelsea so i'm excited for she sends yes as she sends um grows thundercling will be um updating y'all on how it's going and if you um want to get a hold of chelsea we'll try to facilitate that in any way possible They've got an ally in the Thundercling yeah, podcast. Yeah, man. Thundercling. The very powerful Thundercling podcast. The Thundercling Collective. We're expanding, too. That's right. Men we, only on our side. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> we've hired uh, we've hired two puppers uh, as our official squeak assistants. Yeah. They're in charge of taking... Like, if a dog gets a squeaker, they double team that dog and just beat the shit out of it. Yeah. yeah so I didn't know squeak. about that. Well, it's... That I, seems... That's where I allocated our budget. Um, so, you just deal with it. Right. That's what's coming on Thundercling yeah. 2020. Hey, we should talk about that, by the way. <laughs> we should we should transition into what people can expect. Yeah, what what can they expect? In our man? second full year of podcasting, in third year overall. Has it been three years? No. No, no, no. That'd be fucked up. But we started in 18, all of 19, yeah, yeah. and now 20. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, like so we'll just call it three years. years. Well, okay. <laughs> right? I, I think see. that works. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I Three took, years, guys, we've been at it. I took algebra one, dude. I can count. Dude, I'm not questioning your math. Okay. Uh, so we wrote up a little piece on the Thundercling website. If you want to read that, it talks about... <laughs> Dave wrote the, it. It's excellent. The struggles of running a podcast. Yeah. We also talk a little bit about... It was a lot of fun to read for me. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Some of our ambitions for 2020. So w- yeah. what, are we, what, what are we cooking up this year? I think Ho- hopefully hopefully I think 2020 is going to be the year that Thundercling I actually have no idea what our goals are for 2020 cool well this is <laughs> this is going about as well as you could possibly imagine 2020 just like 2019 <laughs> we have no idea okay well obviously we want to do some videos yeah, we want to do some videos we want to have some more writing on the website mm-hmm. and that comes hopefully from you guys as well if you guys want to publish a story on Thundercling, I can't offer a lot of money, but maybe a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. And I have hats and t-shirts and art that I can send you. Yeah. So if you're interested in that. I think I think uh, this year we would like to... We've been talking for a while also about creating some... Some merch? Yeah. <laughs> As in, we want to have like a cool t-shirt. Because I think having a cool t-shirt would be dope. T-shirts, stickers. Stickers, more stickers. If you guys find value in it, we'd like to start a Patreon this year. Um, yeah. 
if you find commensurate value in our podcast, you can throw us a dollar or two. Yeah. And then we can give you a t-shirt for that. Holy shit. Well, I mean, the dollar or two would yeah. come every month. Or if you're wealthy, <laughs> such as many climbers are, $20 a month would be fine too. Holy fuck. And that would go straight into our state-of-the-art yeah. studio that we're constantly updating. I think, yeah, I think 2020 would be making more of a, a uh, impact. I think we've we've been nicely settled where we are. And I think we both want to try and see Thunderclean grow a little bit more. Stretch out in some different yeah. artistic directions. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'd like to facilitate more literature on the website yeah. from, for example, we have a piece that's going to be up. Um, I think, see, a dog's oh. howling right now. Resolution broken. We have a piece coming up uh, in two weeks that will feature a little bit of writing from Chris Schulte, a little bit of writing Whoa. from Brendan Leonard, a little bit of writing from Jack Schuler, who owns Nice Apparel. Yeah. I'm working that out right now. Those guys will have me their stuff hopefully by the end of this week. So that's exciting. That's really exciting. And hopefully a couple other people too. Um, so we'd like to build that out. We've got to do some videos, dude. Yeah, You're a freaking director. We've You've, had some funny ideas. You know, Feedy has directed real, real music videos. Have I, Dave? You have. <laughs> You're not supposed to make me sound like a liar right there. <laughs> Oh, have I? Have I, Dave? Um, yeah, so, you know what, guys? We're, we're trying our best. Yeah, give us some ideas, too. If yeah, there's any yeah. guests you want to hear from, or... Um, I th- I think, ultimately, this year would be the year that it's not Thundercling podcast so much as it like as it is Thundercling in general. I think just more rounded out portfolio of Yeah, content. hopefully. I agree um, with that. That would be a great goal. Hopefully yeah. it goes better than my 2019 resolutions. Yeah. And I think Dave and I both agree it'd be fun to have more interaction with people who consistently listen. Yes. Also, some way. Get uh, a hold of us anytime, yeah. you guys. I had a conversation, I had a half hour conversation on the phone yeah. with a listener like a month ago. It was awesome. Yeah. He's trying to yeah. start this really cool... I don't want to talk about it too much because it hasn't started yet, yeah. but a really, really cool like media uh-huh. thing. And and yeah, I mean, that's one thing I love is I've been running into people who actually have listened to it out in the wild. And every time it happens, I'm like, oh, how'd you hear about it? And they're like, I don't know, like meh, saw it on Nina's and gave it a listen. I couldn't stop. Saw it on once Nina's. I, once I heard it, I, it just found... Fuck off! God, here we go. Let's just quit, dude. The dogs are... are it's starting again. I can't do it anymore, Dave. This is the I'm worst allergic. year. Ever. I'm allergic to dogs. I get hives. All right. Well, you, as you can see, nothing fucking okay. changes. The, okay. more, <laughs> the more things change, the more they stay the, the same. same. Well, actually, um, I do want... Talking about interacting with fans. If you guys... If there's stuff that we do that you like... Tell us so that we know to do more. And if there's stuff that you really don't like that we do, tell us too. So we make it, maybe we can think about that, but still do it, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say, I'm, I'm, we got to wrap this up, but I'm going to say yeah. one thing. I am going to change something. I'm going to try to swear less, less Same, on the actually. podcast. Cause I say, fuck. I know. All well, it's the, the time. It's like the sauce night. The sauce night. I listen to sauce it. Sauce night. I don't care about all. Okay. If we only said fuck during yeah. sauce night, we just said that word back yeah. to each other. I'd be perfectly happy. Yeah, please. And that's one thing I feel like everyone could help us out with. I think the sauce nights are a lot of fun, but we're always open to topics to, to broach on because we just kind of make them up as we go. Yeah. And uh, having listener submitted 
feedback would be or uh, topics would be really I mean, interesting. it's not too much to ask you people to do our job for us. <laughs> And that's what we're doing right now. Just Can someone help just come do and our talk job. on this mic? It's hard to talk into this mic and look at Dave every two weeks or so. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I can't even look at myself. Anyway, God, let's let's that's, call it. That was a good start. Yeah. Thank you, Chelsea, so much. Yeah. We'll have another We guest have some up. really fun guests coming up. That's yeah, also, we have two yeah, like really on excited. the boards really right excited. now. Um, and again, last thing. If you guys uh, have photos, you want to do a photo essay. If you would like to write something for Thundercling, mm-hmm. if you have some art you'd like to share, I can't offer much, but I can offer a little bit. Um, so get a hold of us. Shoot us an email at thunderclingpodcast at gmail.com. And follow us on... Here we go. The Thundercling. That's it. That's it. Uh, Instagram. <laughs> that was it? I mean, that is, it's, that it's was literally like sliding on a silk robe. How smoothly you did that. I wonder why <laughs> to this day it's never just, why <laughs> can't I remember it? I don't know. And don't look for us on Facebook because, um, fuck Facebook. Whoa. Dave. Is what I say. Dave posts all his like political rants. my politi- rant uh, Yeah. Check on. me out on Facebook yeah. <laughs> if you want to read political rants. Cause that's where I go to like blow Dave off my steam vents, or yeah. I'm going to like crash my car into a bridge embankment. Oh my God. Um, don't do that. Wait, it would just be me. Is everything okay? I would roll out before. <laughs> okay. It's a shit car. Um, anyway, thanks for listening guys. And yeah. we will see you in two short weeks. Yes. Yes, for sure. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
did you see? Uh, I climbed uh, a benchmark moonboard problem. Fuck off, bro! It was a V4, but I have like 200 to go. But I actually think if I stick to my goals, I'm pretty sure I can do them all by the end of this year. I mean, the biggest issue that might be getting in my way is uh, just not even just trying, just giving up and just being a fat fuck and just giving up. That's that's what I would do. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah just check out my Instagram. It's uh, Oh my god, turn <laughs> off the recording! <laughs> Ah. Uh.